0: But some people weren't very happy with Paul the Apostle. So in Acts 17, I'll go from verse 16. We've got Paul at Athens. Athens was the, the place, for the seat of learning. So the scholars and the, the know-it-alls went to went to Athens to talk about their new theories. It says here, now while Paul waited, verse 16, for them at Athens, John knows Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city uh, wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the markets daily with them, he met with them. I think I've jumped the gun a bit. Go back. What was that? Verse 16. That's the wrong verse. Here we go. Let me just go back. I'll go to the beginning, please. Now, when they had passed through Atchipalus and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews, and Paul, as his power was, went in unto them, and three sudden dates reasoned with them out of the Scriptures opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. And some of them believed and consulted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude of the chief women, not a few, but the Jews, which believed not, moved With envy, took unto them certain fluid fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, Listen, these have turned the world upside down, and are come hither also, whom, J- whom Jason had received, and these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that these there is another king, one Jesus. i will there. The point is, the point is, here we are in the middle of Acts of the Apostles, and there's like a, not anarchy, but there's this sort of uproar where the Christians are just doing what Christians do. They meet in fellowship. They get together. They break bread. They sing hymns. They praise the Lord. Is that okay? Yeah, Yeah, me and Dave think so. (laughs) Anyway, right? The thing is, they were doing this here. And Paul had been to the synagogue three Sundays on the Sabbath to reason with the Jews about Jesus who is the Christ. Did you think that up? Mm-hmm. I read it to you. And then it says there was an uproar because the Jews didn't like Jesus, even though Jesus had been brought up a Jew. They didn't want Jesus. They didn't want Christianity. They were happy with the law and the old traditional ways. Anyway, the point is that there was a riot. There was a riot because they were just freaking out that there was a a house church meeting at Jason's house. Did you pick up on that? Yeah? And so they went to the the rulers of the city, verse 6, and it says, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. This is a little bit of English, old King James. They come hither, they came here. That's what you're trying to say, right? They come here. They have turned the world upside down. That's what I want to talk about today. We're in debt. Not financially, but we are in debt to the early church because they did the business. They went out, when they heard about Jesus and what Jesus had done, they saw with their own eyes, they heard his message. When they took it to heart, they had to do something about it. They didn't just sit and have a tea, party and some nice cakes. They got on with the job. When Jesus said, Matthew 28, go to Matthew 28, the Great Commission, You know what the Great Commission is, don't you? Someone does. Yes, the Great Commission was that they should go into all the world. Look, verse 18. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth.
1: Go ye
0: therefore and teach your nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even until the end of the age. That's what we've been told to do. Are we doing it? Are we doing it? We're trying. We're trying. Are we turning the world upside down in our own community. Well, maybe we're thinking about it. (laughs) After another cup of tea, we might have another go. (laughs) Tea and biscuits, (laughs) eh, Paul? (laughs) (laughs) Then we do it. Put the kettle on, we'll have another cup of tea (laughs) after (laughs) that. (laughs) (laughs) The early church, you had to Say to yourself, they were faithful. They did it. And it's because of them, doing what they did, that we got this message today, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If they didn't do it, what would we be doing today? All be, huh? All Behave yourself, Bob! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna watch what I asked (laughs) next time. I'm gonna the honest truth is, the honest truth is, Bob could be right. Mm -hmm. We you could be not Bob. If we did not have this, we're having a giggle and laughing about it, but the truth is, he's right. He's right. And it's because we have the word of God, It controls us. It controls our behavior, doesn't it, Bob? Yes. We don't have to get a slap on the hand. <coughs> Listen, let's consider a couple of things, and that is their challenge. What was the challenges that we set then? And what are our challenges? Do you know, when we look around the world, we look around Hemel Hempstead and, and the greater world around us, as Christians, we obviously are a minority, aren't we? The world, I mean the population of the world, people give us the answer to that. About 8 billion, roughly, isn't it? 18 billion. 8 billion, sorry, yeah, I said million, didn't I? But there's a lot of people in this world, and we are commissioned by Jesus Christ to go and reach them. That's a daunting task, isn't it? 8 billion people are alive and well on this planet, all fornicating, that don't know the gospel, right? That's what they're doing in it. So um, they have need to hear about the salvation that is in Jesus Christ. But there's a problem. We need to think what that problem is. The more people that are being born, there are people being born more and quicker than there are people getting born again. And if that happens, if that continues to happen, the minority of Christians will get smaller and smaller and smaller. And when the Lord returns, will he find faith on the earth as the population of the world expands and expands because of the fornication? John, (laughs) you! <laughs> <that>. got to <laughs> <a baby> can stop We got We got a bigger problem, you know? Let's get back in order. Let's get back to basics. What did the early Christian Church do that we ourselves need? You've got to remember the point. The point is that they turned the world upside down, and people we are going to multiply at such a vast rate. What are we going to do to turn? Their world upside down. I mean, we need our own world turned upside down to to shake us up, to get us to do something we've never done before. I mean, dear Annie, I hope you don't mind me using you, but the last two weeks, she's never done this before. Not that I've noticed. She's sung a hymn on Facebook. (laughs) Now, some people don't like doing that. They want to take a selfie, you know. And, and you know we all do it, but she sang it in twice. But she never—I never noticed you do that before. But can we do something that we've never done before? Turn our own world upside down for Jesus, yeah. because people need to see it. Quickly go back to Acts again, verse two. Acts 2 and verse 3. Let's see what it says. It says here, the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, in Acts 2, I said it earlier on, the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. (coughs) He says here and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And then verse 2 says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing, mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them, clothed tongues, like as a fire, and it sat upon each the of them. That's what it did. So they were in the upper room. And there they were, they were having fellowship. They were having a time of prayer, a time of worship, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes like a mighty rushing wind, and there's fire on oh, their heads. You may have seen a picture of this in a, in a religious art i I got a picture at home. And there they are having fellowship like we are today. And you know, you know what fire looks like when it's burning, you're burning coal, and you're burning wood. And there's there's tongues of fire going up, isn't there? You know what I'm saying? That's what they had on their heads. They had it. Flowing tongues of fire on their heads. What is this? What does it mean? It means that they had the evidence that the Holy Spirit was working through them. Now I've never had anybody say, John, your hair is, your head's never been on fire. You've never had a cloven tongue of fire. Well, I ain't seen no one else with it either. Right? Cloven tongues oh, yeah. of fire burning on their heads. I've never seen that, oh. and I don't think I ever will until Jesus comes. When Jesus comes, I'm talking about fire on their heads. But they had it, it says it in But they were having a meeting in the Acts the Apostles, fire was on head. It tells me, it tells me that they were on fire for Jesus. See what I mean? They were on fire for Jesus. It says of the two on the road to Amalos, they said, didn't our hearts burn within us? That's what they said. Well, what was the effect? Shall I tell you? The effect was, souls were saved. 3,000 souls were saved in one day. That was the effect. And because of that, if 3,000 souls get saved here, what will we do? Well, I'll have to scratch my head and think about it and say... We either have a mega church in Hemel Hempstead, there isn't a place for a mega church, unless it was in Cambridge Park. So we'll have to say all. We split it up into three churches of 1,000 each, yes? Could do, or maybe six churches of 500 each, eh? Oh, that adds up, doesn't it? So they planted churches, that's what they did souls were won, churches were planted. The world around us, the big world, there's lots of people, we see them multiplying every second, right? They need to see the churches on fire. They need to see that the people that are believing in Jesus, that they actually Believe and they're not become all religious and start putting on funny clothes. Going <laughs> <laughs> all funny like the Pope. That's not what they want to see. They want to see passion. They want to see that we believe in Jesus. That's what they want to see. Exactly. They don't want to see we're having another cup of tea and cakes. Hey, <laughs> oh, yeah, they do that down at the bingo club, don't they? Two fat ladies, 88. Something. You've heard of fundamental Christians, haven't you? Tell me you have. Fundamentalism, you've heard of that? Well, it's a a movement. It was a movement in the last hundred years or so, eh, Doc? Yes, yeah. Something like that. They're called the fundamentalists. Because they're fundamental in what they believe. I like that to a certain degree. But the Lord, it's not enough to be fundamental. You need fire! You need fire in your heart to believe in what you're believing in. You've heard of the Apostles' Doctrine. Didn't I mention that earlier? There are some, Bible scholars, they're very particular in being doctrinally sound. Have you heard of that? Annie, hey, thank you, Annie. You've got to be doctrinally sound, they say. It's not enough just to be a believer. You've got to know what you know. Hey? Well, you might be sound in what you believe, you might be sound asleep. Yeah. Couldn't you? I'll tell you another story, right? There was a a story about this this church. Someone had a heart attack in the church. In the middle of the service. Do you know that? Someone called the ambulance. 999. hello, is that NHS, paramedics? Yeah, yeah, someone died in the church. In a service, yeah. They were sitting on the chair. Listening to the sermon, and they, they had a heart attack. Do you know what happened? The ambulance came to the church. <laughs> no, I'm serious. E-dose, e-dose, you know, blue lights going on. They, they, they came in the church with a stretcher. With a stretcher. Yeah. Do you know what happened? They counted out, out three people. Three really? people. They counted out three people before they found the right time. Oh. They counted three, three people out then they found the person that was really dead. What? <laughs> don't worry. If you don't get it, don't get it. Don't worry. Oh, they were asleep. <laughs> <They were sweet. laughs> <laughs> 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 they fell asleep. <laughs> and then they met the right person that died after they took the three out. was <laughs> it you just the sermon, was <laughs> the sermon then? Anyway, please, let's move on. It's not enough to just be preaching, you need to plead with the Lord. Please, Lord, help get involved in our church. Get involved in our, our lives. You know, Lord, come and be born in us today. Make us like you, Lord Jesus. That's what Jesus said. Let's make man in our image, isn't it? Yeah. And do we act it? Do we live it? Love the image, there. <laughs> That's the image of them. <laughs> it's not enough to just be Bible believing. We need to be earning. You know, we need to have passion for the Lord. Didn't the Lord have passion for us when he carried his cross up to Calvary Hill? You know, there's a, a man, I quote David Dawson, not Paulson, David Dawson said, the reason why some Christians they're too afraid to get involved is because years ago, and, and some of the older Christians will tell you, they had a, what we call wildfire, wildfire, the Toronto blessing. Have you ever heard of that stuff? Some of you, and, and it got out of hand. It was crazy, and because of it, Christians today have settled for no by at all. They're happy, but just be mediocre and let things just go over their head and sit back and, as I say, have another cup of tea. Let's move on. My next point. They found, this is the early church, what they had. They found true fellowship in Christ Jesus. That's what they found. Acts 2, Chapter 2 and verse 41. And I read it earlier. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them 3,000 souls. Isn't that incredible? And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers, and fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done. By the apostle, and all that believed were together and had all things in common, etc. Goes on. They were in fellowship, in breaking in bread, and in prayers. These people, these apostles, they were once divided. They were once quarrelling. They were once arguing. Do you remember who? was the greatest among them. Do you remember that? They were divided. They didn't love each other. They just put up with each other because of Jesus. Very sad, but now, here, we see they're all joined together. They're all one in Christ. They're selling houses and sharing the money out together. They're giving their possessions to each other. incredible. We, read that, we, we just slapped our heads in disbelief and say, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I could give my own and, and put others before myself. Isn't it? It's what we What do you think was the basis of their fellowship? It says it in the scripture. It says that they put their trust in the apostles' doctrine. That's what they did. They trusted these men that had been with Jesus for three years. Everything they learned, everything they understood, they trusted Jesus. They put their trust in him. They based, they based their fellowship on the truth. Jesus said, I have the way, the life, and the he told Pilate, my kingdom is a kingdom of truth. They believe in the truth of Jesus' is teaching. And today, today! It's not like that. Is he serious? I mean, some you. I'm not picking books at you. I like to read the King James. And I know that some of you don't quite fully understand it, nor do I every word of it. It was written four hundred years ago. And the way that William Shakespeare spoke, oh, thou, well, ladies and, and, and thou, old oh, gentlemen, uh, come with thee to Grove Hill Community Centre. Huh? We don't talk like that anymore, do we? We've cockney and common. In heaven heaven to whether you're middle class or, like me, common, poor, and needy, anyway, I like this. What I'm going to say to you is this: in the last hundred years, hundred years is a long time. Hundred years is a long time. The Bible, the Word of God, has been under attack for a long time, and. It's not enough to have the AV, the authorised version. You've got to have this version, and that version, (coughs) and the other version, the copy version, the message version, the... the good news version. You've got to have so many different Bibles. Why? Why? Shall I tell you? Shall I tell you? What's this? Uh, Who made this this morning? Nika? Is is, this, we call it fruit of the vine, we used to have grapefruit juice, right, before COVID? Nika's been doing this since COVID. Is it blackcurrant juice, Joey? Okay, let's taste it. It tastes like blackcurrant juice. It tastes like it. What I'm saying, every one of us could go to Sainsbury's or Tesco's and buy a bottle of blackcurrant juice or grape juice. But it's watered down, isn't it? Because it's of that, what do they call it? Diluted and undiluted. concentrated. So this is diluted juice, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. What if you put too much water in it, can you taste the blackcurrant? Yeah. It weakens it. You know that, don't you? I'm seeing the heads going up and down. So the more water you put in your squash, it's going to taste rubbish. You ask the kids, that. They say, man, it's too watery. It. I can't taste the blackcurrant. Isn't that right, Mum? You know that. What's happening?" The Word of God, which has been around for a long time since the Apostles, they were the ones that the Lord used to write the Scriptures. John, Paul, Peter. Am I right? Yes, I am. But they wrote these words down, and they've been put together, and we call it the authorised version. Right? I'm not saying just go out and buy an authorised version. I like reading the New King James. But the Bible's been getting watered down over the last hundred years, and that has affected our faith. That has affected the way that we read the Word of God, because certain words have been taken out, and other words have been put in. If, if somebody, did. well, this is an example. If some Bible translator took the word hell out of the Bible, right, you take it out and you put something else in there, like the word grave, well, they're two different words, aren't they? They mean a similar thing, but they're well too far. aren't they? So then therefore, if the word hell was not in the Bible, we wouldn't be worried about going there, would we? Because it's not in the Bible anymore. Do you understand what I'm saying? It? No, 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 no. So, I have to tell you, when I became a believer, 1988, the first Bible I bought, guess what it was? Good news good. version. Why was it a good news version? Because I'm thick as two short plates. And it's the only one that I could read at the time. Do you understand me? Don't tell me I'm thick as two short flats still now. Right? But what happened after one year reading it, I felt I thought, do you know what? This is too easy. i need something a bit more meaty. So I went out to the other Christian bookshop in town in those days and I bought an NIV. What's an EIV? New International Right, right. (laughs) And I read it. I read it for about ten years, and I started getting bored of it. Bored of the Bible? Yes, I was getting bored of it because it wasn't hitting me where it needed to hit me. You know, like conviction, condemnation, all those things. I got complacent. I started sinning, didn't I? I started doing what? But, well, let's not go that far. Let's <laughs> not go that far. But we could go on a, what you call, a backslide. You've heard of that, haven't you? Backslide. And I started backsliding. And, you know, maybe it was my Bible. So I bought a new thing James, And that hit me where it hurts you understand me? I start getting convictive. you understand what I'm saying, people? Yeah. The early church had something that we don't have. And after a few years with the new I thought, you know what, I've grown up. I'm going to be a big daddy, and I'm going to go for the authorised version. But it's not an easy way. But it hits you where it hurts. Do you understand? I'm not okay okay, okay. When I got the near tin because it used to belong to me, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> the trouble is, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go over time, I'm going over time. If you've got to go home for dinner, I'm, whatever, I'll, I'll give you my notes. We're, what we believe in is being be watered down, and you know like Christians nowadays, they can go out and get tattoos, right? They could go to a Christian rock concert. Do hmm. you understand me? Like, give it some, all of that. They could do Christian things that you never would have dreamt of in a hundred years ago. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? You know, they've got what you call, I, I call it fake, fake. And there was a time, I want to go a bit deeper. I wanted to hear somebody Preacher's sermon that rattled me this is what the early church did, and that's why Maria and I we started to go to the Tabernacle in London in South Elephant and Castle because the preacher hits you where it hurts, and you, you, you feel convicted of sin, and then therefore you end up repenting, saying, "Lord, please have mercy on me." That's what you do. Do you have that same kind of fellowship? Do you hear? Do you hear a message that rattles you? If not, we need to consider what we're doing. Is this what you like? Let's move on. Last point, we've gone over because we started late. The early church were fully surrendered to Jesus. Would you agree with me? I'm on my own now, Someone yes, yeah. i with me. Would you say they were fully committed to Jesus? I would say yes. If we turn to Acts 4, and see this, this is Peter and John. And they're before the Sanhedrin, Acts 4, 18. And he says, and they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, not teach in the name of Jesus. That's what it's there. Yeah. But Peter and John answered, set said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than God judge you, or judge up. Is that it? Yeah, verse 20. But we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We cannot but speak the things that we have seen and heard. And that is the things of Jesus. These two men were fully surrendered to Jesus Christ. And they were not going to compromise one pay altar at all. They had made everything on the altar before the Lord. They had surrendered themselves. To some people, this is financial loss. To some people, this is going to prison. To some people, this is martyrdom. And an there, there was a man in town. He's the best preacher, Hebel Hempstead ever had. And he was a minister at Alexander Road Church for 45 years. He was so intelligent. He went to Oxford University and he's known to be John Marshall. He was fantastic. And do you know what? If you went and saw him and said, John, you're a smart man, mate. You could have been the Prime Minister of Great Britain. He was one of those chaps that was identical to Winston Churchill. But he wanted to preach the word of God. He wasn't interested in being the Prime Minister of Great Britain. He was that smart. I I love to listen to him. So, I mean, if you're the Prime Minister, you're set up for life, aren't you, financially? John wasn't interested. It was the word of God. Some people went to prison. Well, we know that John Bunyan spent 12 years in prison because he loved to preach about Jesus. Those days will come back, people. Mark my word. And martyrdom. If we were on a day trip to Oxford, I would take you to a place where there's a spot and there's a plaque on the wall and it says that Latimer, and Ridley, these are two Christians, 400 years ago, they were burnt at the stake for their faith. Can you believe it? Burnt at the stake? What? Just because they believe in Jesus. We don't hear those things anymore in this country, do we? Right? Because we, I think, people believe in a different message. They do something different nowadays. And We think that we've got the true faith, but it's all watered down, and it tastes terrible. And you know what the Lord says about this false gospel, lukewarm gospel? Yeah, spit it out! going to spit it out! Thank you, David. He said, it's, "It's a worldly gospel. It's people that go to church, but they're believing in something that ain't real. It's not real." They put their faith in it. And the Lord says, I'd rather you white-hot or black as the devil. Don't be Paul. don't be grey, because if you're grey, guess what? You can't see the dividing line. You don't know if it's white, you don't know if it's black, it's grey. Who wants to be a grey Christian this morning? Huh? Not me white-hot, passionate for the Lord. Don't you want that? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, what does that going to be? And this is, yes. the Lord will spew you out of his mouth. You don't want that. Time has gone, and my passion is burning, and I want to tell you about William Tyndale. They burnt him at the stake because he tried. In the scriptures so that we can read them from, from the Latin or from the Greek and he the, Hebrew, the, Hebrew from the Greek and the Hebrew into the English tongue and for that he was burnt at the stake God wants us to be passionate about what we believe in doesn't he? And do you know what the Lord says? He who loses his life for my sake will find it. That's what Jesus says. But he Let's go to Matthew 16 quickly. Matthew 16 He who finds it will lose it. Thank you, Steve. I'll read it just here because there's, it says it. Matthew 16, 25 For whosoever saves his life shall lose it. And whoever will lose his life, shall find it. Are we losing our lives in Jesus and everything that he's done for us? Or are we just finding our lives without Jesus? We might end up losing it. It's a gamble. God, oh, don't, don't get it wrong. We don't want to be getting it wrong, do we? lose your direction and you lose your passion for Jesus you lose your impact and so when you meet people and they need to see that you love Jesus, you you lose the impact because like I said about the the lukewarm Christian is that they've got a fake gospel and I don't want that and I won't preach it and I don't want anything to do with it He says in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 6. Jeremiah 6. And we'll end with this. It's in the middle of the Bible. Just before we go, Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 6 and verse 16, it says this. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the way and see, and ask for the old path. Where is the good way? And walk therein. And you shall find rest for your souls. And I'll stop there. Because the next bit says, but they said, we will not walk therein. That's not me. And I don't want it to be you either. Walk in the old path. Charles Spurgeon, John Bunyan, George Whitfield. Walk in their path. You'll find your way. Before we close, our need, people, is a genuine revival. We want what they had in the old days. Don't we? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you long for the fire of the fellowship that they had? Is that for love for? If you do, are you willing to make the same sort of sacrifices that Peter, James, and John did? Lord, we come before you, and we need it there. We end our sermon thinking of the early disciples and what they did for you we marvel at their commitment and their passion and their hunger for serving you. And I pray for each and every one of us that we can attain just a little measure of what Peter did and what John did and what what the rest of them did for you. And I pray, Lord, that if we uh, look forward, that if we've not been passionate for you, that we would repent And that we would change our ways so that we can have fire in our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.